All right, so we are starting a new book today, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you want to make your way there. Also, just a couple of things, um, you know, uh, we are in the hunt for uh, one piece of tech we're going to try to um, uh, buy, so when Ethan goes off to college, we'll need <laughs> another way to do the iPad, so, you know, if you guys want to... You guys want to give towards that that would be great so we got to get that in the next gives us some months to get it ready but if you guys want to help out towards getting that because when he goes to school so does his ipad <laughs> that we use all right so uh second corinthians chapter one and um we are going to go through this book and we just finished up last week with the uh, you know, end times prophecy update. If you missed it for some reason, I encourage you to go back and listen to it or watch it. It's online at the website or Facebook or YouTube. So check it out. And um, it was a great uh, finale, uh, the last one last week. So great to kind of get us in perspective what the Lord's doing, um, you know, according to his word. So but we are back in the book of Corinthians here. Now it's the second letter to the uh, Corinthian church, and we're going to uh, pick it up there in verse 1. So, Father, again, now as we you know, turn to your word, we ask that you'd move in our hearts and our midst, Lord. And we do pray for those that are, you know, the, the Christians and the pastors and the godly leaders and godly men and women over in the Ukraine that are, you know, seems to be intensifying and living kind of on edge and day to day and without power, without a lot of things, Father. So we just pray that you'd comfort them and strengthen them and bless them. Um, even today, as we look at you being the God of all comfort, Lord, so we pray that you would pour that out abundantly in their lives and also for our brothers and sisters around the world that are facing persecution, um, you know, on a daily basis. And uh, we, we haven't come to that yet, Lord. We, we see it coming. We, we, all the signs are there, and one day the hammer is going to drop, um, probably in our state first, but then it'll spread across uh, the country like wildfire, Lord. But um, uh, we don't face anything close to what our brothers and sisters do, and so we're thankful for that, and we also ask that you would bless them in a, in a great and a powerful way, Lord. For we ask this all in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and it's in His name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there's a story that goes that Winston Churchill, you know, a uh, great man of integrity and respect, said during his last um, year in office, you know, he was attending an official ceremony and uh, two gentlemen were seated a couple rows behind him. And then, you know, they whispered to one another, hey, that's Winston Churchill. And then the other one says, yeah, they say he's getting, you know, he's getting senile. And yeah, the one said, yeah, he should step aside and leave the running of the nation to, you know, to more dynamic and capable men. And uh, when the ceremony was over, uh, Churchill turned to the men and say, gentlemen, they also say that he is deaf. <laughs> so anyway, you have to appreciate that, right? Uh, you know, lack of respect, right? And that's what we're going to be talking about really uh, in part of this chapter here to the Corinthian church. Um, there's a, threaded through the book, there is just kind of this lack of respect for Paul, not by everybody in the Corinthian church, but certainly there was a, 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 a good portion 
who were very vocal in, in their lack of respect for Paul as an apostle and just as a godly man and everything. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're going to hear about this. This is probably uh, the, the most personal letter or epistle. We call them epistles, but, you know, it's another word for letter. Um, well, it has a little more meaning than that. But the, um, the letter, uh, the most personal he would write. He, he, I, I believe he really gets, you know, super personal here. He talks in great terms and shares a little bit about himself almost in everything he writes. But this one is uh, by far, I believe, the most personal that he would, he would ever write. And that's because, you know, they were calling into question who he was, what his authority was, you know, who he says he is, and why does he say these things. And there was a lot of that turmoil going on inside the church. And, uh, you know, Timothy, most people believe, delivered that first letter to Corinthians that we read some, oh, I don't know, six weeks or so ago. Um, and, and during that time, once he delivered it, before this second one was delivered, he, people questioned if Paul really had the authority to write his first letter, you know, of exhortation and correction and so Paul starts penning this second letter to them in response to what they had done and what they had said. Now there was some good response and there was some poor response in, in the, in, from the first letter. And he's hearing it all really from Timothy right now as he's penning the second letter. And again, he, um, he, he kind of bears his soul, and, uh, but he profess, professes this abiding love for the Corinthians despite their fickleness towards him. And you know, they're, some of them having a lack of affection towards him and a lack of respect. And so we'll kind of see that as we go through this letter uh, in the next uh, coming months here. But verse 1 says, uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God which meets, uh, which is at Corinth, I'm sorry, and with all the saints who are all uh, who are in all Acacia. Now I'm going to put a, a map up just to kind of go backwards in the verse, start from the end and go forward, just so you get some idea. Uh, you know, he, he will write to where he is. And, and I, what I want you to really see, I know there's a little arrow thing here I can do. Ethan, you showed me a million times, but uh, now nah, it's okay. I'll just point it up there. But you can see, oops, I'm not on that. Oh, just hold it? So. Got to be smarter than the iPad? Uh, nope. Okay. Come on, come on, come on. Wow. All right, well, I'll just talk about it. I just want you to see in the bold letters, you know, the ones that are all capital, those are like areas or provinces in the Roman Empire. So when you hear the word Asia, again, we think of China, Japan, Korea's, Vietnam maybe, uh, and Asia is right there where modern-day Turkey is. You see where it says Asia in bold letters there? When Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, that's that whole region. See Galatia, which is right you know, next to Asia going that way. He's going to write to Macedonia uh, and people in Macedonia, which uh, in, you know, incorporates some of those cities that we, that we read about there. And Acacia um, is, is down there. It's another little province. And then, you know, obviously Syria, Cappadocia. You can see all those names. So I want you to kind of get the idea here and, and see that he's writing to the church 
uh, which is in Corinth, but he also wants the letter to be circulated to all the churches that are in, you know, in, in Acacia, the, the bottom there where Greece is today. And so again, you just get some sense that typically these letters just didn't stay in one spot. They were spread around to all the groups and churches there, which is why we have like 5,000 fragments of the New Testament. Some are more complete than others because they were just spread everywhere. And when they came together, really to put together the Bible in the third century, you know, it was so well known which were scriptures and which weren't because they were just passed around for so long and so many years and they made another copy of it, you know, because one would wear out. And that's why we have uh, our, our, maybe our, um, the scriptures don't go back as far, as far as early as some of the, the early ones they found is because they were used. As a matter of fact, some people believe, and I put myself in one of those camps, that if you go back and find some very early first century manuscripts, um, some people hold it as, okay, that's the better authority. I personally hold it as a worse authority because the ones that were, that were written, that we, they knew were scripture, were passed around, and they were used. I mean, they were from everywhere, and people read them, so they were really used, and they'd wear out. The ones that didn't, people didn't bother to look at them because... Obviously, they didn't believe that they were accurate or there was something wrong with them. So uh, anyway, you, you get the sense of how they just move all over. And of course, the lines are the missionary journeys. So you follow the lines, and that's where Paul went on these journeys. And I just kind of want to give you a sense for the, the world of, uh, of this New Testament and uh, for the most part and where everything kind of falls out there. So... Now, back to the beginning of it here. Notice Paul clearly states who he is in the Lord, right? An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. You know, he puts this right out front. And again, he usually addresses himself in some sense that way to most people. But particularly, he calls it out here with the Corinthians because, again, there was a, a segment of the people that just didn't think Paul had the authority, that he really wasn't a good godly example, that... You know, he, he talked a big talk, but he didn't walk a big walk and all sorts of things like that. And he just lays it out clear. Listen, I'm an apostle of Jesus. And again, that's the capital A apostle because he's called by Jesus. Remember that specifically by Jesus. There's other apostles that are called by other people uh, and that title is used. But we capitalize typically the A being um the ones that Jesus called specifically. So he was called specifically to go out by Jesus because it was the will of God. You know, again, this wasn't his plan. This wasn't his idea. It was the Lord's. You know, he was, Paul was going in a whole different direction, right? He was trying to beat the church down as much as he could. And the Lord called him and, you know, turned him this way. So, you know, it wasn't something I was ever planning on. As a matter of fact, I was going in the opposite direction, but it was the Lord's. And so, again, I think that's important to, to know. Uh, you know, some people won't understand when the Lord's called you to something or using you in some way. And they'll say, well, you don't have this, or you're not this, or you're that, or you're whatever. You know, all these things. You're too young. You're too old. You're out of touch. You do this. Whatever it is, right? And, you know, what you have to stick firm is, is know when you know you're called or you know you're called into doing this or doing that or whatever, that you, you don't let all those naysayers or other opinions come in. Listen, I know I'm called by God, and so I do it because I'm called by Him, and I, I don't do it because they say I should or they say I shouldn't and 
all this. I, I do it because, you know, that's what the Lord did. And we have to plant ourselves firm on that, whatever it is. If it's a small thing that we do once a week, once a month, or a big thing, you know, this or that, or some ministry we're called to, then we're just faithful to it and until God changes that. And Paul was. You know, he could have backed away from the city and said, oh, let Apollos handle this. They like him a little bit better. Or let Peter go there, you know, and kind of go up. I can just kind of step out of it now. You know, I've been there a couple, year and a half. I set everything going. I can just kind of step out. He didn't do that. And he loved them and wanted to help them, even though it was going to cost him something. And again, the letters to be shared with everybody in the churches in that area here. And then he says in verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, that's typical greeting of Paul. Uh, you know, grace and peace working together and always in that order. Grace and then peace. And then he says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Um, let me put up this verse in a New Living Translation because I kind of like how it says it, uh, you know, maybe a little plainer. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when we are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And I don't know about you, but I'm a you know, big underliner of the end of verse 3, the God of all comfort. Father of mercy, God of all comfort. <clears throat> Notice what it says. He is the source of of all comfort. So when we want comfort, let's go to the source, right? Um, you know, we're going through Job on Wednesday night, and you guys have been following along with us. You, you know that Job's three friends showed up, and they wanted to comfort him. They were there to encourage him and bring him comfort, and it ended up being just the opposite. They were beating him down and of course, if you've been following through, we know all the reasons why he was doing that. But that's really what Job's friends should have done. You know, pointed Job to the Father, the God of all comfort. Job, where you're going to get your comfort from is from the Lord. Now, Job knew that. And, you know, as we've been going through, Job hits some peaks. He gets his head above the clouds a little bit and all that's going on and, and sees that. But then he kind of sinks right back down. He's kind of like this more down here than up there, but he does peek his head above the clouds every once in a while. And what his friend should have done was point him to the God of all comfort, the source of all comfort. Um, you know, point him to that source. And I, I think that's important uh, that we do the same thing, that we know that and that we are also those that point to the source of comfort. You know, um, and, and God will use that in our lives. God will use that. We receive, then when we receive the comfort, we're able to pass that along and say, listen, where I got comfort through all this and how I made it through this is because, you know, it was the God of all comfort, just as Paul said. He's the source of it. I got it from him, and you can, you can receive the same. 
there was a story uh, of Queen Victoria that, you know, she heard that one of the common laborers um, had lost her baby and having experienced that deep sorrow herself, you know, she, she felt moved to express her sympathy towards this, you know, common labor woman. And so she went to the woman's house one day, uh, you know, this poor, you know, bereaving woman, and spent some time with her. And after she left, you know, the neighbors asked, what did, what did the queen want? You know, what did she say? And she said, she said nothing. She simply put her hand on mine, and we wept silently together. And I thought, wow, you know, that... That is cool. That is great. That's uh, one that's received comfort, passing along that comfort to others. And of course, she didn't say anything, and she just kind of lived it out. And sometimes we have the opportunity to, to say it at that moment. Other times we just there and sit quietly with them. But just as I said when we were going through the book of Job, you know, being there is a huge thing. And you know, most of people, uh, most of us kind of stay away from very dip, deep and difficult situations because we're like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. What am I going to say? And you're right. There's probably nothing you can say and nothing you can do that's going to probably make much of an impact, but your presence will, whether immediately or at some point the Lord will use it. And, and certainly, you know, receiving that comfort. And, and again, as we have opportunity and as we should, pointing to the God and the source of all comfort. And one of the reasons Paul could be saying this, you know, and could even rejoice in some of the difficult circumstances is because he knew God was in control. They kind of work hand in hand. Okay, if God's in control and I'm going through this, then he's going to see me through and give me the comfort that I need to get through this because he's in control of everything. And, and I know that. And that will give us that you know, again, will move us into that comfort and, the, and, and what we're looking for through that is because he's in control. He's our father, and a father takes care of his children. I like this, this quote. Um, the two most important days in your life are the day you, were, you are born and the day you find out why. Now, Mark Twain was anything far from being a Christian, but I... I heard this quote last week, and um, you know, it, it was uh, I was reading it, and I was reading something, and they quoted this there, and I thought, you know what? That's that's so true. There's it's a great spiritual truth, whether he meant it or not, um, probably not. But uh, again, you know, obviously being born. And then finding out why. Now, we would probably say being born again, right? But to find out why I'm here on earth. Why was I born? <laughs> and, you know, that's one of the questions that I, I most frequently bring up when witnessing to somebody. Hey, you know, there's another Lord. Why are you here? Ah, blah, blah, blah. Most people, it takes a second. Some of them just don't know what to say. Others will kind of mumble something you know, through and, uh, you know, but again, and even if they do mumble something through, you know, I know the Holy Spirit makes that tape replay in their mind, you know, as you go your way and days and weeks later, but, you know, it's important. Why am I here? 
And of course, Paul had this great comfort because he knew why he was here. He knew God had a calling on his life. He knew he was in control. Therefore, if he's going to do that and has that and knows where I am and allows me to go in this situation, then he's going to give me the comfort I need when I need it. And again, as we know, a father takes care of his children. You know, we have patience with our children um, in so much more measure than somebody that's not their parents, right? I mean, typically, you know, you have a neighbor or something like that, you know, you know, they'll put up with your children doing this and that, but man, their patience will run pretty short. Compared to a patience, compared to a parent's patience of their children is way up here and, and love and concern and taking care of it compared to anybody else. It's just the way it is. And and that same thing goes for our Heavenly Father. You know, He's, he's loving, He cares for us deeper than, than, than anybody else could. And, and notice this premise that Paul says here. One of the reasons that we go through hard times is so that we will receive His comfort, right? And when we receive that, we'll be able to comfort others who are experiencing the same thing, right? You know, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. I mean, that's great, right? That verse right there. And what Paul says is that, you know what, we're going to receive it because he wants us not only to receive it, but he also wants us to, to pass it along. You know, many of us have gone through a number of difficult situations in our lives and isn't there something special about somebody that comes alongside of you through those deep times that's been through those deep waters themselves? I mean, there's just some connection, you know, almost like Queen Victoria there, you know, that same kind of thing. There's this deep connection with somebody that's experienced those same deep waters that you're going through. And, and, and there's just this great connection and that can bring the great comfort. Because what a person can say is, listen, I remember, you know, three years ago, six years ago, six months ago, or whatever it is, you know, I, I was in that same boat you were, feeling the same way you are, and I can tell you, you know, six months, uh, you know, later, or one month later, a week later, whatever it is, you know, I, I, you know, God just brought me out of that, and look where I am today. You know, He did bring me out. He brought me out. He's going to do the same for you. He's going to give you the comfort you need to get through this. And then that person will do the same thing to somebody else. And you can see how that's just been passed along through all these years. And that's why it's so important that when we receive that comfort, that we pass it along. We just don't hoard it to ourselves. Okay, God's given us this and God's given us that. And then, you know... Okay, Lord, you know, you want me to share that. And in this time, he'll bring somebody along or, or, or some situation where you can be used that way. And we're to pass it along because he wants to use it and he wants it passed along coming from that person that experienced what you've experienced. Great underlinable section, you know, right here um, in verse 4, certainly. And then he goes on in verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so also consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which 
we also suffered. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that you are partakers of the sufferings so you will all uh, so also you will partake in the consolation or the comfort that's what he means by consolation there that that wonderful comfort and and again verse 5 and verse 6 said what i pretty much just said you know what you're suffering for the name of christ and that's you know weighing heavy on you well also that comfort is going to come in 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 that in that greater measure you know you Okay, this is going on, and you know the situation does seem to be changed, and it seems to be getting more difficult. As a matter of fact, it might be getting worse a little bit. And, and you know what's going on because you, you know you are a Christian, or because of where you choose to stand, or how you choose to live, or what's important in your life. And this problem, you know, is there, and and you know you get frustrated, you get worry, weary, and you you know want to give up. You don't know what to do, and but but with that same difficulty God pours in so much more comfort through that that that's his promise you're gonna you're gonna suffer you're gonna have hard times but I'm gonna pour in more comfort into your life to keep you going to keep you you know your head above water to look above to get your sight fixed so you can be used to comfort somebody else and and all those other things so you can learn to trust me there's so many benefits uh, that come through all that and uh, you know that's the way God works you know, Philippians tells us, uh, you know, that the verse that was right on my mind and I just lost it. Don't you hate that? Um, where he, uh, it'll come back to me and I'll quote it in a minute. <laughs> Let's just go. But, you know, I, I was thinking about Paul, right? His lifelong dream was to uh, pass, to, to preach and to pass along the gospel to the Jews, right? Um, but... When he's there in Acts chapter 22, right, and he gets this opportunity, you know, even though it was a short window after he got beat up in the temple grounds, remember, and that commander had to come down and take him, and then he allowed him to speak to the Jews there. And man, they wanted to kill him, right? I mean, it was terrible. It all went bad. It was just awful, man. They were doing anything to kill him. But we also know that same night that Jesus came and brought him comfort, um, you know, and brought him comfort and reminded him his call because Paul's desire was to reach the Jews. And the one time he has this great opportunity to reach all the important Jews of the land that they're there in the temple for the holiday and, and he's able to talk and then everything just falls apart, man. It, it goes as bad as bad could, right? But that's where Jesus shows up and gives him comfort and does that, right? And again, it's it, it's... It's wonderful, uh, um, you know, to see how God brings that comfort in the midst of those difficulties and the, and, and the storms. And speaking of storms, you know, just like when Paul then later was um, going off to Rome and they decided to go through and, you know, sneak just ahead of the weather and try to get to Rome, you know, quickly rather than have to wait until the next spring and hang out somewhere. You know, you can understand that. The Romans wanted to get dump these prisoners off and get on with life, right? And so they're, you know, they're going there, and and you know, 14 days have passed, no light, 
you know, because it's storming all the time. People have given up all hope. And then, you know, Paul stands up and said, listen, the Lord showed up to me last night, says we're all going to be okay. Uh, we just got to do this and that. But, you know, eat up because everything is going to be okay. And again, the God of comfort shows up and gives them comfort. And of course, then he passes it along uh, to others. One of the problems is sometimes, maybe a lot of times, we feel that comfort is only found if the circumstances are changed, right? Well, I'll find comfort, Lord, if you do this and that and this and change this and change them and change this and take care of that and you know, work in that. Um, then, okay, then, then that's how I'm going to find comfort. And typically we kind of pray that way, don't we? Lord, do this, do this, do this, because that's going to bring me the comfort I'm looking for. I don't know, uh, maybe you've been following that. I just read it this morning that, that uh, I don't know how many state lottery, you know, I don't know how many states it is, 20, 30, or whatever it is, but it's up to $1.6 billion, they estimate, for the Monday draw. I think $1.6 billion, Monday draw? Yeah, $1.8 million. They figure it's going to be $1.8 billion dollars and you can imagine i remember being in you know when i'm driving around for work i'll stop and get a drink or a snack or something or get gas you know somewhere and and, and you know i always know when the lottery is really high because there's just typically a line in those places especially can you imagine what the frenzy is going to be like come today and tomorrow particularly at you know all these places that sell these lotto tickets and because why because 1.8 billion dollars will change, you know, everything. Then I'll finally get the comfort that I'm looking for and that I'm longing for and that, you know, the circumstances of my life will change for the better and everything will be coming up roses, right? And that's typically how we think. And then it's funny, I, I could probably put it up here, but I'll just tell you about it. You know, I was reading also that Bezos and another... Um, billionaire um, he's a Russian Jew and he's up there too up on the list and they, they've put billions of dollars into research to extend life try to actually reach their goal it's Alta is the name of the startup to 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 reach you know uh, where our cells don't degrade and we live forever basically and here's the guys with billions and billions what we think will solve maybe our problems he has more billions than we'll ever see, and, and yet he's still stuck with problems, right? I'm going to die eventually. I'm in my mid-50s or whatever he is, late 50s, and, you know, it, it's going to end, and I see it. So i got to pour some of these money in so that I can live longer, right? That's kind of the fallacy of if our circumstances were changed, we're really going to find comfort. Um, you know... God just chooses, that verse in Philippians hasn't kind of come back, but he chooses to bypass our, um, our mind and just give us comfort. What's that verse? Be anxious of nothing, but in prayer and supplications, bring something, something to God, and the God of peace will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Oh yeah, the, thank you, the peace that, like that, thank you, Ethan, that peace that, 
passes all understanding. So what he does is he bypasses our, un, our understanding, our mind, and just gives us peace. You know, a lot of times we want, we think peace and comfort comes through understanding. Well, Lord, if I just understand the circumstances, then I'll be at peace. Okay, you tell me you're working here, you're doing this, you're doing everything. So just let me know, and then I'll have peace. And God says, no, you're not going to have peace. You're going to endlessly argue that anyway. <laughs> so I'm just going to bypass your mind, uh, your understanding, and I'm just going to directly give you the comfort and the peace that you need. Thanks, Ethan. And, and so, uh, again, that's, um, that's what he does. That's what he's doing here. And, again, we need to remember the sufferings in Jesus and the comfort in Jesus. You know, we're going to have suffering, but we're also going to receive comfort. And Hebrews um, 2.18 says this, Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Of course, that's speaking of Jesus. He is able to help us. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to go through difficulties and heartaches far greater than we'd ever experience. And he is there to give us comfort. Just remember that. Uh, and so again, um, we are going to have problems, but he's also going to give us the comfort and the strength to see us through. And Paul now is going to give an example. He'll, chapter 11, he'll give a lot, but right now he just gives one thing. Verse 8 says, um, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Verse 9 says, Yes, we had the sentence of death on, in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You know, this kind of takes us back to the series we did some time ago about don't be ignorant about. And I think that's, I, I like that series. It so ministers to me, you know, Things that the Bible says very clearly, don't be ignorant about these things. Know these things. Don't just do the ostrich, stick your head in the sand kind of thing. Know these things. And one of the things is, know that there is going to be trials. Um, there is going to be trials. I want you to know we went through these trials. Um, it's kind of hard to imagine. You know, we think our trials and our difficulties are big, and they certainly are in a lot of ways. It's certainly a lot of them. But you know, when you read this here, that we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we just thought we'd never live through it, or, you know, we, we thought we despaired even of life. Uh, uh, the New Living Translation said, you know, we thought we'd never live through it. Paul and his friends that were in Asia, remember I told you it's modern-day Turkey in that area, because when we were over there, we thought that was it. I'm done. I'm toast. Benito, it's all over with. We're, you know, we made it out of some stuff close, but this is it. You know, this is where we punch our ticket. It's and every other expression you can think of. We're done here. That's exactly what Paul and his companions thought. And it's kind of hard to imagine, you know, our life hanging in the balance. I, I think we've gone through stuff, but you know, is our life hanging in the balance? Maybe we haven't gone that far. Maybe some of you have. I don't know. But um, but they're. Their heart was, Paul the great apostle had figured it was a death sentence. And it was for sure in my mind. But we also get the why 
answered here. I like that. So we thought it was the, 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 you know, the, the death sentence, but Paul tells us the why this happened, right? And that's in verse 9. So we, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So we thought we were dead. We were over here. We thought that was it. And, okay, Lord, why did you let that happen? Is so that we don't trust in ourselves, our abilities, our way to get out of it, our thinking of this, but in trusting in God. It, it moves me to trust in Him with all my heart. Again, God allows the trial to occur that we might run out of ourselves and depend on Him. Uh, you know, that's again a very difficult day when we run out of ourselves, you know, we give up, we throw our hands up in the air, that's it, it's done, I, I can't do it anymore, I can't endure anymore, I, I'm over with, it's all finished, you know, I, I give up, you know, uh, like, you know, hands raised of giving up, like, you know, during battle or the police or whatever, I give up, that's it, you know, I'm not going to fight anymore, and we have that, you know, attitude, God says, okay, good. Now I can start to work here because up until that point, you know, you're doing everything in your own power, on your own strength to resolve all this. And then if everything got resolved through all that, you would just depend more on yourself and your wisdom and your smarts and how you can get out of it. And if you work hard enough, if you do these things, you know, if you're smart about it, then, you know, you get through all these things. Well, obviously that didn't work. You went like this. Now you're going to learn the important lesson that you're going to depend on me and run instead of running on yourselves and your own experience. Again, it's just kind of a matter of faith. We walk right to the edge of our experience and our abilities, and then we think, okay, that's it. We're going to die because we are all out of cards, right? We're all out of uh, ability. We're all out of money. We're all out of this, we're all out of that, you know, we've run out. And God says, no, listen, um, I'm, I'm pushing you to learn how to trust me more. And I, I, I'm allowing that to happen that you might learn not to trust in yourself, but to trust in me. So, so that why question is answered here. Actually, Paul got the answer to that. Why did this happen? Because he wanted us to experience trusting in him instead of ourselves. So he's pushing them to that point. We think we're going to die, Lord, but Paul says, we found comfort instead. <laughs> we found comfort. We realize it's death to me, but hey, wait a minute, God raises the dead. So I might think death is the end, but wait a minute, that's nothing for God because he raises the dead. And he says in verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. And you can see the change here. It will continue to happen, but look what it has developed in us. This wonderful trust and this amazing faith in our Heavenly Father. We were pushed to the edge, raised our hands. God came through and says, listen, now you're trusting in me. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to happen again. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations because we know that. 
You know, Peter tells us that, you know, those who live righteous are going to suffer persecution and trials. Uh, Jesus said that, I, you know, I, I, I'm leaving you this world and I'm not taking you out of this world when he's praying, you know, at the end of the Last Supper there. You, you guys are going to be in the world. You're not of the world, but that's going to happen. But don't worry, you know, I've overcome the world. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. And uh, I'm, I'm going to give you all that you need to accomplish all that I've called for you to do in this life. And one of those things is comfort through all the difficulties that we face. It's going to happen. It did happen to us, but what it developed in us is something far more valuable than getting us out of that situation. This wonderful trust and faith in the Lord seeing us through. And I think if you ask Paul, he would say yeah, it was worth it. It was worth going to that point that I might learn this invaluable lesson uh, that you showed me, Lord, through this. And he goes on also to say, not only did it work in their lives, but verse 11 says, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. So, You know, here's the question. Why, why do we pray for others? You know, why do we put prayers in a prayer box? You know, why do we do that? Well, one of the reasons is, Paul lists it right here, is that when the report comes back and when we have a prayer list and we hear how God worked through everything, you know, we'll be able to rejoice in what the Lord did. That's what Paul says. You know, you guys are praying for me. You know how difficult it was, and you were praying for me. Let me just tell you how God worked through all this, and he came through. And yes, we reached the end of ourselves, but now we have this great hope in him. We know he's going to continue to do that now because we know he did it then. We know he's going to continue to do it. And, and, and then they can sit back and go, wow, we see, wow, the great hand of God through all this. Everyone prayed, and everyone will rejoice in what the Lord did through all that. And uh, again, I, I think that's just a wonderful thing. That's one of the you know, great things about going to you know, older saints. And um, you know, every once in a while, once a year, we go with the biker church over to the senior living center here in town. And you know, when you run into the older Christians there, there's just something wonderful about them, isn't it? Where they just like, You know, you've been through this, and you say about this, or they talk about this, and they'll say, oh, honey, you know, God's good. He saw me through so much in my life. He's going to see you through, right? It's just that great thing. We've prayed for so much, and I've seen Him do so much through my life and through others' lives. It's just it's great, you know, and, and we hear about those things, and we add them to our prayer list. We, you know, be excited what the Lord might do through all this. That's what He's saying. Not only do we rejoice and learn that, but you also receive the blessings and the praises and the, know, and the knowledge of God working in our lives. And then he says in verse 12, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simply, uh, simplicity I'm sorry, and godly sincerity, not with fleshy wisdom, but with the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. So now Paul talks about all that he's endured and the faith and the comfort and everything he's received. And he kind of switches gear here. And he says, you know, 
he starts to address those that are talking bad about him, putting him down, saying he was an apostle, said what he, you know, t- telling that what he said had little meaning in that first letter, you know, who is he to say these kind of things, all that, you know, he's out to use you. That was some of the uh, accusations was related through this letter. Uh, you know, he, is, he's, he, he talks a lot, but he doesn't do much, you know, uh, and this is his kind of coming back to all that. Look, you know, look at the situation we went through to bring you the gospel. Look at how things happened, uh, and we continued on as the Lord gave us strength and gave us comfort and the ability to move on and move forward. You know, that came to you. It's not because, you know, uh, we're doing on our own or, you know, we had the strength or any of this stuff. You know, no, it wasn't some worldly wisdom. But no, it was, you know, how God did it. And we do that simply and, you know, purely with sincerity. I'm not out to use you. And then as uh, those, again, saying his words weren't meaty or he didn't keep his promises, uh, some of the accusations were this, verse 13. For we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. Now I trust you will understand even to the end, as also you have understood us in part, that we are your boast as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. And I'll put that up in... Uh, oops, I forgot to put that up. Um, uh the New Living Translation says it this. It makes it a little clearer, to, a little easier to understand. Our letters have been straightforward, and there is nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us, even if you don't understand us now. Then on that day when the Lord Jesus returns, you will be proud of us in the same way we are proud of you. And, and so again, you know, Paul is saying, I've written these letters uh, to you, and things are understandable, things you should know. You should know these things about, you know, how we got here and our heart and, and going through all these things, and, and, you know, and you'll receive the comfort and blessings we have, but also because of all that, we're here. You know, there's not any hidden agenda or hidden meanings. Uh, you know, that's not what I'm trying to do here. Again, that's obviously some of the accusation as well. And one day you'll see that we love you and we've done all these things for your good. That's our heart. That's our love. That's really our our whole motive behind doing this. And then he says in verse 15, And in this confidence I intend to come to you before that you might have a second benefit to pass by the way of you to Macedonia and to come again from Macedonia to you and will be helped by you on my way to Judea. Verse 17 says, Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I planned, do I do according to the flesh? That with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no, for the, Son of, uh, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but he, uh, in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, 
to the glory of God through us. You know, uh, now one of the other complaints was, you know, you said in that letter, you're going to come to us. And Paul did say, you know, I'm going to travel to Macedonia, which is, you know, kind of over, we saw the slide kind of heading towards Europe that way. And I, as I go there, I'll pass through and see you guys because I thought, you know, it'll be a blessing. And then I'll go over there. And then when I'm done over there, I'll come back through and see you. And, but it didn't work out. So I'm not saying, yes, I'm going to do it, and then no, and yes, and no, and, you know, I just can't make up my mind what I'm going to do, or I change my plans. You know, maybe you've run into people like that who, you know, they'll promise you everything, but you realize the reality of what they do is far less than what they ever promised. And it can kind of be frustrating with people like that. And some of them have a good heart. They just overcommit because they want to help everybody or they want to do stuff with everybody. And some people are just flakes, and, you know, it, it kind of drives you nuts. So Paul said, I'm not a flake. And, you know, that wasn't uh, what it was. You know, in the reality, he said, uh, because of all the trouble uh, in Acts 19, that he couldn't come because the Lord changed the circumstances. So we read back what it tells us in Acts 19. We get some more information of what was going on. I'm not waffling here going yes, okay, and no, or just indecisive. You know, and not couldn't make up my mind about it. That that wasn't it at all. You know, it's not about indecision. I can't make a decision. I like the story of you know our former president Reagan, and one time his aunt brought him to a shoemaker, um, you know, to get shoes, and the shoemaker asked you know Reagan, do you want you know uh, more of a round toe or more of a square toe at the end of your shoes here? And, you know, Reagan couldn't decide, the story goes, he tells it, you know, should I make it more round or more square? And he said, I, I, I just didn't know what to say. So the shoemaker said, well, come back in a, in a couple of days, uh, you know, and make a decision. So the shoemaker happens to see Reagan out there and say, hey, have you decided, you know, what, what you want for, you know, your shoes? And he said, you know, I haven't really decided yet. And then so the shoemaker said, well, come back in a couple of days. Your shoes are going to be ready. And he kind of thought to himself, okay. So he shows up in a couple of days and the shoemaker presents his shoes. And one is a round toe and the other is more of a square toe <laughs> in each foot. And, uh, and, you know, Reagan's looking at him in shock. Well, this is just crazy. And the shoemaker said, well, this will teach you never to let people make decisions for you. <laughs> and of course, Reagan goes on to say, I learned from them to make my own decisions rather than have somebody, you know, uh, be, uh, rather than be indecisive about it. And I kind of like that, right? Because, you know, um, I, I wasn't like that. I couldn't make a decision or things came. No, it was because that was the Lord was doing. It was His will. And, uh, you know, why I didn't come. And again, Maybe there was jealousies, you know, some people wanted to rule over them and hurt him, you know, rather than trust what they had learned from him, uh, believing what others said before checking it out. Again, there was all this animosity towards him there. Uh, and again, Paul said, it's just, just how the Lord worked things out. And we have to be okay with that. But people like to take that and make it more of a, you know, a reason to bag on you. Uh, you know, that happens at church, and of course it's happened as a pastor for me more times than I care to want to remember. You know, people will say something about me, and they'll believe that person rather than checking out the facts, 
or, you know, because, you know, they, they know me. And just because that person's saying that, and you've known me for months or years, and then all of a sudden, just because they say that, you're going to buy into that? And um, even though you know that's not how I am or what we do, and, and, and it just kind of amazes me that, you know, people will just do that. And they'll listen to one side of the story, and, or they'll believe all these things on the Internet with other people, you know. Um, people come out and accuse people all the time of this, that, and the other. you got to be so careful about reading those things, you know, online. Um, and we always make a mistake when we, you know, just listen to one side of the story. And it's always good to mark those people who just do that. They only listen to one side and they're happy with that. They got enough knowledge and they're going to move on because eventually they're going to do that to you at some point. And Paul was saying, that's what you're, you're doing, you know, to us. And, and I'm, I'm not here to flake out. You know what I've said, you know how I've lived, and you know what the Lord's done in, in, in our lives and in your lives through it. Why are you saying that? And then he finishes up here in verse 22, he's, or 21, I'm sorry. He who now establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us and given us uh, the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul that to spare you I came no more to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are fellow workers for your joy, for, uh, for by faith you stand. And so Paul says, you know, even though I'm being accused of all this, um, God had it that I wouldn't go by because it was for you, and he did it out of love. Because if I had to come by, then, you know, after that letter, and come like I originally planned to do, then it would have been a big riot and a big ruckus, and, uh, you know, and, and it really would have stirred up even more trouble probably in the church. So the Lord just didn't allow that. He allowed me not to go there so that that wouldn't happen. And, uh, you know, my intent is I want to come because I love you. Uh, but, you know, uh, the Lord was giving you time to change. And we'll see that a little bit later on. Some people changed and had the opportunity to do the things that Paul told them and recommended and called them to do according to, you know, what the Lord said. And so if I showed up, you, you know, you might not have had the time to absorb all that and do all the things that I was telling you. You know, like the one guy that was living with his, his stepmom. Uh, there was people taking advantage in lawsuits. There was others going to the communions, remember? And they were, they were drinking there or coming there drinking. And they were, you know, getting sloppy and all that kind of... Remember all those things that we talked about? He said, if I showed up, you know, you may not have taken the time to go through and take care of all those things. So the Lord said... Listen, Paul, I'm not going to have you go there. And, and Paul sees it later on, says, well, the Lord was just giving you time to change. And, and he tells him, I'm not here anything for anything other than to see the work of the Lord grow in you. I don't want to be the big man on campus. We're all in this together. And, you know, uh, again, it's not by me you stand. It, you stand in the Lord. And you stand in faith. And that's what I want to encourage is your faith in the Lord, and he does that through showing the comfort he receives and the work that he's doing in our lives corporately. Amen? Well, let's, let's pick it up next week in chapter 2. Father, we do thank you again for these 
uh, you know, great words of comfort, Lord, as we read in the first part. We see your wonderful hand of comfort. And Lord, this is one of those places we can go to, you know, chapter 1 uh, of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, as we get to that, you know, we're... we're um, we're jars of clay. Um, we'll, we'll find out a little bit later on there in chapter 4. But discomfort is so important because we all need it, and we all need it multiple times in our lives, Lord. And it's just great to be reminded that you're the God of all comfort. And we can receive, you're the source of comfort. And so help us to go to the source. Go to the source and receive what we need when we need it. And your promise is just to to grant it liberally to us. You pour it out in great measure. And we're thankful for that. And Paul even gave witness to the times that you've done that, even in the worst of circumstances. And the same is true with us. And and Father, you know, again, help us not to jump the gun and judge people hastily uh, by hearing something or... You know, somebody may have good reason in in their own mind to feel, you know, this way about somebody or that way about somebody, but help us not to render the judgment without hearing both sides. You know, there's a great proverb about not hearing one side and coming to the wrong conclusion. And that will always happen, Father. And again, we pray that, you know, when those difficulties and those challenges come up in our lives, Lord, that we will seek your wisdom and uh, that comes from you and, and know both sides of it. And again, make righteous judgments, Father, as you've called us to do. So again, we thank you for this time and for this book and for these important lessons that we learned through it, Lord. Just bless them to our hearts and in our lives, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you guys.